Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. I am Rick Thomas with Life Over Coffee. Our street address is lifeovercoffee.com. If you have not been to lifeovercoffee.com, I would encourage you to check out our coffee shop. We produce content resources with the intention that they will spark conversations that lead to transformation. And so if you're going through a personal struggle, we have thousands of resources all written with the practical application of the Bible in mind for you. If you have a relational issue with someone else, well, we have thousands of resources to help you personally, relationally, situationally. We provide hope and help for you and others And that is our heart, that is our mission, and we provide our resources freely to you. Go to lifeovercoffee.com and check out our resources. You will not be disappointed. Now, one of the topics that we cover over at Life Over Coffee is the topic of forgiveness. It is a big deal. And the reason forgiveness is such a big deal is because any time that there is conflict between two people, forgiveness is always necessary. Forgiveness is always in play 100 times out of 100. But what I have found through a a lifetime or adult lifetime of doing biblical counseling discipleship, training others, is that we do not have a good handle on forgiveness. This past July, I was in Bozeman, Montana at Grace Bible Church, and I did several talks at their biblical counseling conference. One of those talks was on forgiveness, and I thought that it would be great if I came home and just reproduce the talk that I gave in Bozeman here at lifeovercoffee.com. And so I did that last week with episode 477. And as time was running on, I realized, I didn't say this in that episode, but I realized I'm not going to finish this talk. There is still more to say. And so I just finished the talk and I thought, well, I'll just pick it up in the next episode. And so here I am episode 478, and I want to conclude this talk on forgiveness. And so this is what I would encourage you to do. If you're interested in doing a deep dive on all things forgiveness, then I would encourage you to find episode 477 and 478, which is this one here, and listen or watch both of those and just take all the notes that you need, and it will be an excellent talk on all things forgiveness. And so please go to episode 477 if you haven't listened or watched it. And I would encourage you to do it personally. It would be fantastic if uh, two people, a husband and a wife, a parent, a child, friend, a friend, got together and listened and watched this and then really just spurred one another on to loving good deeds because there's so much information there. And so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to drop in the middle of, well, toward the end of this longer talk. I'm not going to repeat all that I said in episode 477, and so you're just going to have to listen or watch that. But I want to drop in and I want to finish 
the talk on forgiveness, and then I'm going to flow right into questions. Uh, there are a number of questions that people ask whenever forgiveness is part of the conversation. And so I want to wrap up this process of forgiveness, and then I want to answer a handful of questions here in episode 478. So what I did in 477 is I took forgiveness and I stretched it out like a rubber band. I talked about pre-forgiveness, and then I talked about forgiveness. And then inside forgiveness, I, I discuss transactional forgiveness and attitudinal forgiveness. And then that's where I, I finished up last week. And so now I want to begin with a double confession. And so let me set the stage for you. Biff and Mabel got into a dust-up. Biff sinned against Mabel. Let's say that Biff got angry at Mabel. God worked in Biff's heart, and he was just broken down. He recognized what he was doing. The Spirit of God was grieved. The Spirit of God was quenched. The Spirit of God was illuminating Biff's mind, and he began to think through Scripture, and he recognized that what he did was wrong. And so he went to God and said, forgive me. And God forgave him of his sins, as, as John talked about in 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he will forgive and he will cleanse you. But Biff recognized that there were more people within the sphere of the offense. Mabel was inside the sphere of transgression as well. And so vertically he asked God to forgive him, but now he has to go to Mabel and says, Mabel, will you forgive me? Biff is wanting to transact forgiveness. Uh, he wants Mabel. He's not saying, I am sorry. No, no, no. Uh, that's a passive action that doesn't require the offended to do anything. No, he's going way above and beyond, I am sorry. He's going way over the top of an apology. He's wanting to transact forgiveness with Mabel, and so he asks a very specific question that demands a response from Mabel. Mabel, will you forgive me for getting angry at you earlier this afternoon? God has forgiven me, and I just cannot move forward in my relationship with God and you without you forgiving me. And then Mabel forgives Biff because she knows that he, he is genuine, authentic, sincere, and so she wants to forgive Biff of his sin and she does. And they are reconciled. Well, not exactly. This is where we come to the talk where we need to understand what a double confession is. And so what's a double confession? A double confession is necessary when Biff sins against Mabel, but Mabel sins in response to Biff's sin. And so Mabel needs to ask Biff for forgiveness. It is a double confession. It is a double transaction. One of the dangers that could happen in this kind of sin event between Biff and Mabel is that Mabel could take her victimization to such a place that she loses cognizance of the fact that she sinned against Biff. Sometimes in our victimness, we can, we can elevate ourselves to a place of self-righteousness that we lose self-awareness. 
that we're not in tune to how we are actually responding to a person who sinned against us. We can be so focused on what they did to us that we we do not have the, the sensitivity or we don't have the awareness to, to recognize, oh, wait a minute, I am sinning in response. I am murdering Biff in my heart because of what he has done to me. It's never right to sin against someone in response to what they did to us. And, and, and that can be an easy temptation. I would imagine, I have no statistics to prove this, I haven't taken a poll, but think about it reasonably for just a moment. I mean, don't you imagine, too, how many times that a person has sinned against you and, and you sinned in response? Or you sinned against them and they sinned in response? I think we might be surprised that that has happened more times than we are possibly aware. And when that does happen, now there are two sins on the table, not one. And when Biff comes along and asks for forgiveness and wants to transact forgiveness with Mabel, he could be completely unaware that she was murdering him in her heart. And so she has to step up with a comparable humility and say, God, will you forgive me for my sinful response to Biff's sin? sin. He was the offender I was the offended, but now I am the offender in response. God, will you forgive me? And then she humbly goes to Biff and says, Biff, I forgive you for what you did against me, but I need for you to forgive me also because I was murdering you in my heart and you were not aware of it, but God is. And I need to clean the slate. And if we really are going to be reconciled, then I need to take care of business too. Now, when that doesn't happen, Biff could go away thinking that everything is fine, but they are truly not reconciled because sin is still there. Not Biff's sin, but Mabel's. And one of the problems in this type of of context is that there can be pockets of silence that that can now rear its little head and that pocket of silence can grow into something big especially the next time imagine biff sinning against mabel again which he most certainly will do but she never took care of her sinful response and now he's piling his sin on her pocket of silence that he doesn't know anything about and that pocket of silence begins to metastasize, and it's a little bit bigger now. And that could lead to really problems down the, down the line in their future, in the relationship. And Biff can be, can be completely ignorant of what's going on because Mabel has never stepped up and said, Well, I've been sinning against you too. You do not want pockets of silence to grow inside of relationship. And the way that you overcome this is by acknowledging that, hey, you're not the only sinner in this relationship. At, uh, talking about that sin event of you sinning against me. The danger here is that Mabel could become the victim sinner. And whenever you juxtapose victim and sinner together, you can really become blind to the center aspect of that construct, and that is a dangerous position to be in. 
the victim can so elevate themselves above the other person that they do not have awareness of how they are sinning against the other person, and that is where they become the victim uh, the victim sinner. If you're uh, helping a couple like this, you need to have this category of double confession. If you do not have this category, you will miss it too. And so without suspicion and without cynicism, you want to like uh, just lift up the blanket a little bit and say, hey, is there sin here in play in your heart? I'm not judging you, but I am speculating. I am trying to discern how relationships happen. And all too often, the offended one becomes the offender and nobody knows about it and it's not dealt with. All right, so let's say that Biff comes to Mabel and and they transact forgiveness. And and, and Mabel has that humility and that kind of vulnerability, that kind of honesty and transparency that she says, hey, Biff, I forgive you. Will you forgive me? And she does that too. At that point, they can truly, genuinely be reconciled to each other. And at that point, you move from the forgiveness and all of those little parts that I've talked about over the past two episodes, 477 and now 478 here. And now you move to the next step in the linkage, which is post-forgiveness. Post-forgiveness simply means there's nothing between you. The power of the gospel has neutralized the sin between the offender and the offended. And sometimes both of them are the offenders and both of them are the offended ones. Reconciliation can now happen because of Christ. Now that you reconcile... Reconciliation doesn't mean that you're going to be best buds forever, that you two are just going to walk side by side for the rest of your lives. I would say that probably most of the sins that we commit, you know, against individuals that we don't we don't have necessarily an ongoing relationship with that individual. And so reconciling with someone just means there's no sin between you. It doesn't mean that you have to be best friends forever, forever. But there will be times when, in, in fact, the people that you sin against the most will be people that you are in relationship with. Of course, that's why you sin against them the most, because you see them the most, like, say, a husband and a wife, like, say, Biff and Mabel. And so though you do not have to have an ongoing relationship with someone that you reconcile with, Many times you will have an ongoing relationship with the person that you sinned against. And that's why it's important that you have nothing between you, that you are truly reconciled. There's no pockets of silence. Both people have confessed whatever they need to confess, and they're truly reconciled because you want to talk about what happened. You need to talk about what happened. Mabel has a vested interest in Biff not sinning against her anymore. And Biff has a vested interest in this relationship as well. He doesn't want to sin against Mabel any longer. Therefore, they have to talk about it. And if they have worked through the forgiveness process, as I have outlined in these two episodes, then that sin, that offense, that transgression is dead. It is legitimately roadkill, and they can poke at it, they can pick it up, they can hold it up to the light, they can look through it 
at it. They can talk about what happened because it's not going to animate. It's not going to jump up off the living room floor and start walking around the living room because the power of the gospel has killed it dead. It is neutralized by Christ dying on the cross and coming out of the grave and ascending to heaven. It is dead. And you want to talk about it because now you're moving into the stage of restoration and then, of course, eventually as you move through restoration, you want to put off, renew, and put on. And how can you put off and renew and put on without talking about what happened? Now, there is gospel irony here where the offender and the offended come together to work through their problems. That is a picture of the gospel. Christ comes together with us. We offenders work with the offended one. We work together to mature through our uh, sanctification process. And we want to imitate that in our relationships, those relationships that we do have in an ongoing way, like, say, with Biff and Mabel. And so Biff and Mabel want to come and they want to talk. And Mabel wants to know, you know why did you do that? What was going on in your heart? What were the the idol factory, the ruling motives of the heart. What have been some of your shaping influences because we're, ma we're malleable people and how you have become this way because we want to put that off. And Biff, I want to do what Paul was saying in Galatians 6, 1, you who are spiritual, restore, cartetizo, men put back together. I want to come alongside you and help restore you in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on myself so that I too am not tempted. And so I, we can talk about it now because truly the gospel has neutralized it. And so you begin to talk about what to put off by identifying not just the behavior, but also the ruling heart motive so that you can root it out at the heart. And then you begin the mind renewal process. And so you want Biff to put on Christ. And so you continue to working through the process because at post forgiveness, you can do that because it's no longer alive. And so the conversations have nothing to do with rubbing Biff's uh, face in it. it. has nothing to do with being punitive uh, toward Biff. You know, with humility of mind, you come together recognizing that, that we, we do the similar sins to each other. We too can be tempted, and so we want to restore each other. And so that is the forgiveness process, as I have outlined in the last two episodes. Now, what I want to do here is I want to work through just a few questions as I wrap up uh, this episode, because all along uh, in my counseling career, people will ask questions about forgiveness because it, it, it is a, a common topic, because as I said at the beginning here, forgiveness is always in play when there is sin between two people. It, it cannot be any other way because forgiveness is necessary. Uh, but sometimes we have questions about forgiveness. So I hope as I work through these questions that it will help you uh, to have a, a fuller understanding of forgiveness, not just the sequence that I have been outlining uh, for the past two episodes, but I'll add more color with these questions. Here's the first one. Now that I want forgiveness, how do I handle my past sins? Well, you may or you may not want to rectify past sins. And so there's not a you always rectify or you never rectify. This is a wisdom issue. 
And so it may be possible to resolve what's going on or what has happened, rather, in your past. And so you want to uh, seek to reconcile if you believe that's what you need to do. Now, the way that you would work through that, there are four things that you would want to keep in mind. First of all, you want to pray about a past something, something in your life, a sin that you committed. Uh, You've come to your senses, and and you just want to clean up your act, current, and past. And so you, you wrestle with your current relationships, and you work through them the best you can. But you start looking into the past, and it's like, I've been a knucklehead for a long time. And there's things back there that I need to reconcile. And so you don't want to go on a sin hunt with a magnifying glass. You don't want to heap a a false sense of guilt, a conviction that God doesn't give you. And so you need to work through these four things. Talk to God, number one. Talk to God and just bring that to Him. God, help me to gain clarity uh, on this. And then uh, sense the Spirit of God. Uh, Is the Spirit grieved by what you did? Is the Spirit quenched by, by what you did? And then you want to talk uh, to other people. So talk to God, sense the Spirit of God. And then talk to uh, other people, and say, or, or at least one other person, who is a little farther down the road, and, and, and just share that with that individual. And they have a, a competency. They are fluent in God's Word. And, and just ask them. So you talk to God and the, and the Spirit of God. And then you talk to other people. And then you also want to be guided by uh, God's Word. And then, of course, you want to listen to your conscience as well. And so as you engage God, and then as you engage others, as you go through God's Word, and you sense the leading of your conscience, those things should balance each other out. And in most cases, that should give you clarity as to what you should do about your past offenses. You will find that some of them... Uh, you will want to go and, and, and make amends and you want to reconcile the relationship. There will be others uh, that you just can't reconcile uh, for some reason. I mean, maybe the individual has passed away. Maybe you can't get in touch with the person any longer. Do recognize that love does cover uh, sins. And, and so you, you want to do as much as you possibly can, but you also don't want to um, do more uh, than necessary, and that's where bringing this within the counsel of, of God, other people, His Word, and your conscience, uh, that will help you to give clarity as to whether you should or shouldn't. You're going to find that you're not going to be able to reconcile every relationship in a, foreign, uh, in a fallen world. I started to say a foreign world, and that would be accurate as well. We are aliens living in this foreign land, and you're not going to be able to reconcile every relationship. And so in one sense, you don't want to sweat it, but you do want to sweat it enough to uh, give it due diligence to examine the things that God is bringing to mind and to make sure that it is God who is bringing it to mind and not some sense of false conviction. But if you go through that four-step process, talking to God, talking to others, uh, being guided by His Word and listening to your conscience, you should be okay to know whether you should or should not reconcile that relationship. Number two, uh, you'll hear people say that I will forgive you if you promise to change. 
Now, that's not an attitude that any of us should take, but I've, I bring this up because it does happen in relationships. You may be surprised. Some people will start placing conditions uh, on the, the relationship, and, and so it is a self-reliant comment that they're making. Rather than trusting God to do the work that He does in a person's heart, we want to help God along by saying, I will forgive you if you promise promise to change. Now, that is something that God never does uh, to us. God forgives when we genuinely ask God to forgive us, and we want to live in our horizontal relationships similarly. And if somebody is placing a condition on their forgiveness, well, then they have a problem. That relationship cannot be reconciled in a situation like that. And perhaps that's where you're going to have to bring in somebody to help work through this because we cannot place conditions on people when they're genuinely coming to us and they're seeking forgiveness. And so number three, number one, uh, dealing with past sins. Number two, conditional forgiveness. Number three, the person uses unforgiveness as a weapon. Now you'll find that often, and I've written uh, an article on this, and I would encourage you to find it. Uh, it is... Um, it's using unforgiveness as a weapon. And so you could just type in weapon and unforgiveness at lifeovercoffee.com. And I've devoted uh, over 2,000 words to work through uh, that complexity because that does happen. Now, what's going on is, uh, typically, is the person does not want to be vulnerable enough to permit the offender to get close to them ever again. And so they use unforgiveness like a weapon. And so it, it looks like a, a force field that they're putting up between them and the offender. Again, that is a self-reliant means to, over, to work through a problem or to overcome a problem. And, of course, you never overcome the problem when unforgiveness is the strategy that you're using. But I do understand what's going on. They don't want to be vulnerable. They are afraid. They don't want to be uh, sinned against. And that is a normal impulse but unforgiveness is not the strategy that the Bible lays out, the methodology to use uh, when uh, you're trying to work through a relational conflict that you're having with someone. And so one of the reasons that a person would use unforgiveness as a weapon, don't want to be vulnerable. Number two, some people are, are so hurt and their anger can be so deep that they just don't want that person to be free from what they did. And so they're holding on to resentment. And now there's resentment and there's bitterness and there's anger. And it's a, a complicated constellation of sins that will begin to entangle their heart. And so a person who uses unforgiveness as a weapon, they need help because they are in a trap. Question number four, uh, am I to forgive someone who is not asking? Not transactionally. Uh, the, the, the very nature of the word transaction is uh, there are two people that are transacting, and if they are not asking, you cannot forgive them. You can forgive them attitudinally, as I laid out in episode 477, and I would encourage you to go back to 477 and listen uh, to what I talked about, attitudinal forgiveness. Uh, but if they're not asking, you cannot forgive them. Uh, should you forgive someone who uh, uh, should you forgive even if you don't reconcile, you should forgive attitudinally. 
uh, even if you don't reconcile. And so if they're not asking, you can't transact. You should forgive them at least attitudinally, even though you cannot reconcile. What if I choose not to forgive someone? Unforgiveness is just one sin, but it will never hibernate in autonomy. It's like a cancer when left to its own devices, and a gathering constellation of sins will emerge with the intent of devouring its prey. And so if you choose not to forgive someone, don't think that unforgiveness is just going to rest in your heart in autonomy. It will not. And so I want to give you just a, a short list, a non-exhaustive list of some of the common problems that unforgiving people experience. An unforgiving person will be tempted to gossip. They'll be tempted to be critical. They'll be a joyless person. There'll be self-deception that'll be operative in their heart. There will also be some lying that is going on as they talk about critically gossipy about the person who did such and such with them. And, and by the way, part of the, the lying is not really acknowledging what is going on in their own heart. There will also be anger, number six. There will be bitterness, and then they will, be, they will just be perpetually an offended person. And so the question is, what if I choose not uh, to forgive someone when I know that I should? And this is what James was saying in 4.17. If you know to do good and you do not do it, to you it will be sin. And in this case, the sin is the sin of unforgiveness, and I cannot say it any stronger, that that sin will not rest in your heart in autonomy. There will be a number of other sins that will glom on to that one, and it will just entangle your heart uh, to a, a, an old, bitter person. And then finally, uh, another common question is, what about forgiving yourself? And of course, I hear that all the time, and you probably have heard it, you imagine you have. This is the way that I uh, talk about forgiving yourself, is that I, I use an illustration, and I think it's very uh, helpful here. Imagine a friend paying for your meal at a restaurant. And so let's say that you go out with Biff. You and Biff are having a meal together, and Biff says, I will take care of it. And you tell Biff, hey, I appreciate you paying for my meal, but then you decide that you're going to pay for the meal too, in addition to Biff's already payment for the meal. Well, of course, you say, well, that's ludicrous, and it, it is, and maybe a few other words that you could think about. You do not need to pay for something that someone else has already paid, and you do not need to forgive yourself after God has forgiven you. And so the real question is, is can you rest in his forgiveness? Forgiving yourself is heresy. That's the strongest way that I could put it. Forgiving yourself is heresy. It is adding to the gospel. If God has forgiven you, you are free indeed. And so you would have to go back to the gospel and start asking yourself some very hard questions like, what is it about the gospel that I, I do not understand? What, what is going on uh, in my heart? What theological breakdown do I have? 
regarding the gospel that I'm not allow, allowing it to intellectually inform my mind and, and practically have management over my soul to where I believe that I need to forgive myself for something that I, for a payment that has already been made when I've asked God to forgive me for that sin, whatever it may be. This is episode 478. It is a tandem episode on forgiveness. Uh, this is a talk that I gave at uh, Grace Bible Church in Bozeman, Montana on forgiveness. I've replicated it here in two episodes. I would encourage you to listen or watch both of them. There are show notes in both of them as well, and I would encourage you to work through those show notes, make your own notes, and then uh, if you talk to someone about this, that would make it even better so that you can work this out uh, in your own heart and life. Forgiveness is a huge deal. It's always a part of every relational sin event that we have is something that we absolutely have to work through. And so having a good working knowledge of a forgiveness is essential. One final thing, I would encourage you uh, to go to lifeovercoffee.com and you can just search forgiveness. You can type forgiveness in the search box or you can type unforgiveness. That would work as well. And you'll just get tons of content on forgiveness and just spend as much time as you need working through it because we need to do the work of making our relationships right. And a part of that is understanding forgiveness. Thank you so much and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com. 